Konnichiwa! Welcome to In Our Community Podcast Season 2, where we talk about life, fitness, youth training, nutrition, and more. Recorded at Resurrection Movement Studio in Danville, Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Coach Hitty, and sitting across from me is our lovely co-host, one and only, Coach Michelle. In the fitness room of our facility, we have this quote, Strive for progress, not perfection. This is so fitting today as Coach Michelle and I discuss the idea of a perfect program. Spoiler alert, the answer doesn't really exist. But we can always strive to use exercises and movements to improve quality of our life. We hope you enjoy our conversation as we dive into this topic. Listeners, thank you for listening as always. And please don't forget to subscribe to our show and leave us a comment on iTunes. Let's get this started. All right, so today we're talking about the perfect workout. I kind of phrased this to try to catch people interested in the topic. But uh, obviously, we got a lot more to say than just here's a perfect workout. Hmm. So, dupes, if a client comes to you for a perfect workout, what would you say to them? Hmm. <laughs> so, really, what we have to do when a new client comes in is get to know them. Whenever somebody new comes, I always try to, to spend some time just alone with them to find out what their goals are, what they want to do first, what they're, what, what they're hoping to achieve. Mm. And then we look at their movements. Uh, we look at their abilities. We look at what we have here as far as programming. And then we can, we can put that together. Mm. But I'll tell you, I think, you know, even if that first meeting, I'm like, okay, I know where I'm going with this person. It's not always the direction we take. So, right. Well, really the perfect workout itself just kind of depends on that individual. It right? does so much. But so often in the fitness side of things, we tend to seek something that's perfect, the mm -hmm. perfect workout, the perfect diet, the perfect this, the perfect that. And it seems like the more excruciating it sounds, the better. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't have to be that way. It does not. So let's dissect this and dive right into it. And we'll also make recommendations on what you should be doing. There's a difference between what you need and what you want to do. Mm -hmm. Right. And we'll also use our stories as to how our uh, perfect definition of the perfect workout has evolved over time. Mm -hmm. And what we've gone through to just kind of figure out as coaches and as individuals who loves this stuff. And uh, so we'll let's dive, dive right in. So right now, for you personally, what would your perfect workout regimen look like? Hmm, look like or what is it right what now? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that's two different things too. Yeah, yeah it, it is. It really is. So uh, 2020 put a, a big wrench into what my workouts were and what I really uh, was feeling good about doing. So what I'm working toward right now is getting more strength training back into my program and you know, not having a whole lot of equipment at home and not always being able to access the gym, you sort of get out of those habits. And now that I've started doing some more strength movements again, I realize how much my body missed it and how much my body responds well mm. to that. So slowly but surely, I'm getting back into, mm. into that. Okay. And so have you gone through other phases in the past where that wasn't the case that you were looking at something as this is what I love doing and this was the quote unquote perfect workout for me? Hmm. 
yeah, I don't know if I, I loved it, but yeah, a million things are coming to mind right now. Uh, for me, probably <laughs> one of the, one of the uh, most interesting phases was, uh, when I decided I was going to be a runner. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so yeah, that, um, I got a little in- too intense about that and, uh, yeah, I didn't enjoy running and it was almost like a punishment. So back to what you said earlier about, you know, how you're, you're feeling like it has to be that that really challenging, really brutal thing. There there weren't too many times when I was running that I actually really enjoyed it. Mm. Um, but I felt like I needed to kind of push myself in that direction and and work myself that way. It's interesting because so running was my you know, entry step too. Right. (laughs) Uh, But my story is a little different. So growing up, I played baseball. Like baseball was my sport. I loved it. In Japan, the starting pitchers, right? So I was a pitcher. I loved pitching. Uh, They were told to run long distance to build up stamina. So that was the way of training. And that's basically what we were told growing up. Okay. So I started running. I was like, yeah, I want to build up my endurance and stamina. So like, I'm going to run. That's how I started running. But then when I went to college and I really started running more, running was one of those things. And I'm sure if you're a runner and you were listening to this, you can relate. The more mileage you run, the more you crave. Mm -hmm. So at least that was the case for me. Uh, I remember like at college I was running, started, I started with like three mile runs. That sounded casual, right? Right. Um, but then I started doing that every day. It's, it would started with every other day, three miles to every day, three miles, then three miles became not enough. So then it became five miles. Mm-hmm. And before I knew it, I was running 10 miles a day when I was in bloom every single day of the week, literally Monday through Sunday, I ran seven, uh, 10 miles. Right. And hills and everything. So I can remember one day you ran from <laughs> Bloomsburg, did a workout and ran back to Bloomsburg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was nuts. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but that's what got me hooked, first of all. And I just loved uh, the runner's high is a real thing, I think. So that's, you know, when you're young, you don't think about injuries or damages that you're doing. I just felt good. I used to listen to music. I used to have a perfect playlist that would get me going. Uh, and then I discovered podcasts. So then I started listening to podcasts. And so that was like my mental clarity time that I had. Mm -hmm. Uh, But at the same time, when I moved to Bloom is when I really started to, you know, I was training people on the side. So I was still doing that, but I just wasn't very knowledgeable. Um, And so I started to really dig into it when I was attending Bloom on the side, really started studying and everything. And at one point, one of my mentors said to me, hey, Hitty, what are you running away from? Oh, okay. And that question like lingered in my head for the longest time. And when I heard that, I was like, I never thought about it that way. Mm -hmm. What am I running away from? And uh, so I really dove deep into that. And that's also when I really started to have like issues with my knee. I have a left knee injury, probably Mm -hmm. from overuse of running 10 miles a day. I think one month I racked up over 250 miles because (laughs) I was just running and running and running and that was the thing on top of strength training and dancing and i really don't know where or when i decided to study or do projects but i apparently i found time to do that too (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah so that's where i got into it so that was a phase that i went through i you know ran marathons ultra marathons but then i realized that there was at some point i was like 
you know what? Like, this is never ending. Mm -hmm. How long am I going to keep going like this? And, uh, and it's an addictive thing. If you are a runner and you can probably understand this, trying to stop running is very, very difficult. This, seen, yeah, I've seen this happen with so many friends. Yes. I, I've been waiting for that to happen, and it just hasn't. So <laughs> I must not have anything to run from. <laughs> it's so true. It's like if you're a runner, it's really hard to put that break on. Mm-hmm. And, and I get it. It's like no matter what other activities or, you know, the workouts that you try out, it doesn't give you the same sensation. And so you keep going back to it. It's almost like a, a, a type of addiction in a sense. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, like when you, if you're an alcoholic, you can't get the same feel from drinking water. So you go back to what you know. That mm-hmm. gives you the same sensation. And I'm not saying, you know, running as bad as being an right, alcoholic. Right, right. <laughs> but I'm just saying the sensation of being addicted to running is kind of similar in a sense of you can't find the replacement. Mm-hmm. So I also struggled when I stopped running and started doing more strength training. Mm-hmm. Even when I started doing strength training, it wasn't the healthiest form. I was doing more of the high intensity interval training all the time. So really, it wasn't a true strength training. It was more quote-unquote cardio-based lifting Mm -hmm. there's two different things and so i really started had to start reteach myself what it means to train i actually prefer to use the term train over workout because training gives you a direction Mm -hmm. as to like what you're trying what what you're training towards the reason why you're training workout feels to me at least like an insanity loop of just doing things over and over again just to feel certain way. Right. You know what I mean? So that's why I tend to use the word train over a workout. But that's, that's a personal preference of mine. I don't think it's right or wrong. It's totally okay. I can see my clients using the word workout, and I'm not going to go correct them. It's just how I like to view uh, the two different components. Right. Um, but as I learn more... I learned that strength training is actually a must for runners. It needs to be a prerequisite for long-distance athletes. Yes, and that's a tough concept for runners. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. And we're not here to bash runners. I myself oh. was one mm-hmm. for the longest time. Um, but I have to tell you, the pains and the aches that I used to feel, I don't feel anymore. Right, right. You know? I and agree. Just even from when I was trying. I And for me, a lot of it was I wasn't willing to put in the time to warm up, stretch after. Mm-hmm. I would often go from that, you know, intense workout to a run or vice versa, not stretching in between, not doing all of those things that we need to do. And and same thing happened to me where I just started, my body just started not feeling good. Plus, I wasn't getting that high that everybody kept talking about. <laughs> I never actually got to that point. You got the low, not the high. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The whole time I would be like, I just don't get it. Why am I doing this? <laughs> so... It's so, you know, we're talking about phases as to what the perfect workout is. The, the, the simple answer to the question, what the perfect workout is, is the one that makes you happy. Mm. That's what we want you to find. And it comes with trial and error. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I hope that you can hear from our story that it took, I don't know how long, I would say maybe like 15 years or so to finally find what makes me happy. But I don't know that if I would have enjoyed what I'm doing now when I was like 15, 16, 17. Right. Right. And so you need the right kind of environment, right kind of push. Also, you also need to like 
dip into different areas to really find out what you like. Without experiencing those, I don't know that if I would have found what I'm doing now as exciting and fun as I do now. Right. Uh, and so I highly recommend, you know, people to give it a spin, you know, give it a try to anything from yoga to spin to group fitness classes to pure strength training. Uh, if you want to experiment with Olympic lifts, that's fine. You know, running, same thing, any kind of sports. Mm -hmm. um, always keep in mind that with anything that you do, there's a risk factor that's associated with it. So make sure you weigh the risk factors out. Like if you're a sedentary person who's never, you know, who's never run before. Right. Uh, setting a goal of running uh, three miles by the end of the month might not be a possible possible thing like that might not be a possible goal you know you want to be smart about how you set goals and make sure you consider the safety factors that's involved in it right um so with that said there are certain things that we recommend and i just saw uh, a, a twitter post by uh one of the trainers that i look up to it says you know if we're sitting at like a a dinner table the head of the table is strength training the adult table is, oh, what was it? I need to pull that up. Yeah, Do you remember I, what it says? Uh, I have to pull it up too. I don't remember, yeah. but I loved this. And it just I it really stuck with me. Yeah. And I remember the kids table was cardio. Cardio. And then the, the dropping the, the, the drops. Yeah. The, the, yeah. Yeah. The scraps that you feed to the dog is like the fat burners and all these fat and, you know, apple cider vinegar pills and all that stuff. And then at the bottom, it says, also, there is no dog. Stop Meaning feeding <laughs> your imaginary dog. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's basically what it says. Mm -hmm. Are you pulling it up right now? I'm trying to find yeah. it. I have way too many pictures of the snow in here that are in my way. It's <laughs> <laughs> <That's> okay. <laughs> but, yeah, so that really gave, uh, like, a, a picture in your head of what we should be prioritizing. So this is the difference between what we want versus what we need. And what we tend to do here in the studio is we give clients what they need while keeping in mind what they want. Yes. Uh, that's the process that we try to take because majority of the population that we deal with needs strength training. Mm -hmm. A lot of the people have sedentary jobs. That's just the nature of today's world. And a lot of people have aches and pains. Aches and, pains. and although we're not a medical professionals, we've also learned that by incorporating certain movements, the pain can go away. Oh. And a lot of times we do, you know, I do work with, you know, physical therapists um, to just kind of collaborate to get an idea of how we can tackle the issues that clients come in with. But movement can be medicine to eradicate some of the pains and aches, the minor ones that uh, clients are facing. Did you find it? Yeah, I did, finally. All right, here we go. So here's the here's the post that it says, that I feel like a good analogy for the order of importance when it comes to fitness is a big family dinner. Head of the table, nutrition. That's the one that I was missing. Adult table, strength training, kid table, cardio, scraps dropped on the floor for the dog, fat burner, fat tea, fit tea, waist trainer. Also, there is no dog. <laughs> so perfectly written. Um, nutrition component, I think we're going to talk about it some other time because we can also dissect and dive right into that. Um, but basically, the importance of strength training over cardio is very true, especially in today's world. And that's what we promote here. Obviously, it's not for everyone. 
And obviously you have to want to do it for mm -hmm. you to, you know, kind of, like I said, if you don't enjoy doing this, maybe it's just not the right time. I wouldn't say it's not the right thing. I would say maybe it's not the right time in your life. Right. Also, strength training, too. People really have that idea in their head that it has to be super heavy or that, you know, they ha they have to go really hard and, and heavy and challenge themselves and uh, look like a bodybuilder at the end. That's not what strength training has to mean mm -hmm. so that that's the other there's a lot of myths out there too about you know not only about the things that are fads um and all of those myths that that those things can be good but also the myths that go along with the things that we really do need for our bodies so you know strength wait, training wait, but, but dudes don't don't females get super bulky when they lift <laughs> no <laughs> right <laughs> yeah how many times do we hear that yeah, a lot it's a, that's a myth guys i'm just yeah, totally kidding totally yeah one of the things that's that was one of the biggest myth that we had to overcome mm -hmm. and i think as an industry that that like females were afraid to lift weights because they didn't want to become bulky right um and i mean like the prime example that i can think of is coach danielle i right? was just gonna say that yeah. yeah and and or mel mel is the same way you're mm -hmm. you know coach coach Dube's daughter mel <laughs> lifts as heavy as coach danielle and they're not bulky they don't look like you know jacked up women you know right um and so it's a total myth uh, to get to the bulky phase, you need to eat a ton of calories, li be lifting ton of weights all the time. Right. And you have to be almost over the top with nutrition. So that's a total myth. Mm -hmm. um, but we also recognize that, like, you know, not everybody wants to lift heavy, and that's totally fine. We typically use the term progressive overload, which basically means over the course of time, you want to improve mm -hmm. in in certain way. So basically, if you start in month one with, let's just use a squat, for example, right? Yep, that's where my let's head went. Use, yeah, let's use squat as an example. Over time, if you start in month one with the 15 pounds dumbbells in each hand and doing 10 reps, three months later, you shouldn't be doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. But the way to progress that is there are so many ways you can do it. One, increase the weight, right? You can go to from 15 pounds to maybe 20 pounds. Mm -hmm. Two, you can increase reps. So if you're doing four sets of 10, now you can maybe do four sets of 15. Increase sets. So instead of doing four sets of 10 at 15 pounds, you can do five sets of 10 with 15 pounds. That's progress. Right. Or just switch up the movement pattern. Mm -hmm. So you're doing, let's say, front squat with the dumbbells held in front of you. Okay, you've overcome that. Let's try, how about an overhead squat? with the same weight, same reps. So there's so many different ways you can progress over time. If the 15 pound dumbbells is your comfort zone mm -hmm. and you really don't feel like getting out of that, that, that weight range, that's totally fine. There's different ways you can kind of continue to work on that progressive overload component. Right? right. And I think that's one of the things that, um, the people have misconceptions about is, you know, when you, they, when they hear the term progressive overload, or when they when we mean like hey you need to be progressing they think in terms of the weight that I'm using right. it doesn't necessarily have to be no. that way right. yeah um, so let's also talk about components of strength training so one of the questions that I get 
a lot is, hey, Hitty, I'm going on a vacation. What can we do? Mm -hmm. What can I be doing to continue to progress? And to me, when it comes to program design, I like to keep it really, really simple. Mm -hmm. This is the same approach that I use when I write my programs. Uh, obviously, depending on who I'm working with, it becomes a little bit more details. Uh, but this is the framework as to which I work in, almost like the bones of the body. So it, uh, this is a framework I use is push movements, pull movements, squats or lunges, hinge movements, uh, some ground up movements, core and rotational components. Those are the seven, mm -hmm. the big seven. So it, that might have been like, what did you just say? <laughs> right. So but if you really break it down, these are pretty simple. And I think. Uh, anybody can come up with ideas. So let's do like a, a little popcorn style. Uh, what are some push movements that we can give to our clients? Push-ups. Mm. Overhead press. <laughs> oh, geez. Oh, so we're going back. Oh, oh I see what we're going to go. Yeah, okay. we're going to oh, yeah, yeah, go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. Uh, uh, floor presses. Dumbbells from okay. the floor. Um, <laughs> let's see. Oh, this is harder than I thought. <laughs> yeah, right? Oh, man. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, you're yeah, thinking, yeah. I'll buy you some time here, too. Okay. I think a lot of people also, when they when they go away, they feel like they have to keep with the program that mm. they're doing. And that's great. But sometimes you go places, maybe you don't have access to weights. Maybe you can't take them with you because you're flying. That's okay, too. Mm. You know, you can do a lot of these things. Like I said, push-ups. You don't need to have a weight to do that. Um, to do an overhead press, you do. Mm -hmm. um, I went away... A few years ago, we went away for, I think it was like 13 days, and I was really worried about not having access to to gyms, but I maintained everything that I was working on just through body weight and, you know, just staying moving so that when I came back, it wasn't a big devastation to what I had worked on, and, um, and it was good. And I didn't have a lot of time either. It was the kind of vacation where we were going, 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 and traveling a lot, so... Mm -hmm. Yeah, so keep that in mind, too. You don't need to put tons of pressure on yourself. But right. you are phenomenal about when you do go away, like, hey, what are we going to do? I have one kettlebell. I'm going to well, make a whole workout around it. <laughs> the thing is, I love this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So then I like to incorporate even when I'm on vacation because it's something that I enjoy doing. Right. And going back to what we are doing before, the reason why we have a hard time is because variation of those movements are basically what we do. Mm -hmm. You know, horizontal push and vertical push are the two subcategories of push movements. So horizontal push, what does that mean? That's the push-up variation or bench press. I guess dips kind of gets into that, that subcategory too. But you think about how many variation of that movement can you do? A lot. Even the bench press itself, you can do barbell bench press. You can do seesaw bench press. You can do tempo. So this is how we mix it up. So if you actually look at our program month to month, you see that it's the variation of those that we use. It's not necessarily the different movement patterns, mm -hmm. right? Same thing with pulls, like pull-ups and rows are the two subcategories, you know, uh, the, the vertical pull and the horizontal pull are the two subcategories that we use. And from there, it just kind of branches out. Like we can use seesaw rows, we can do single-legged rows, we can do, um, you know, one arm supported rows or face down rows. These are all variation of rows that we use. But really what it comes down to when you get to the bone, it's the it's the, the pull, pull movement variations. Mm -hmm. Same thing with squats and lunges combo. How many squats and lunges do we do? A lot, you oh, know, yeah. it's a basic human movement pattern. 
Same thing with hinge. Hinge is a little tricky one. And the difference between squat and a hinge, right? And this because a lot of clients, I think, are confused by the two mm-hmm. when they first come in. But the, a lot of them are, you know, regulars or the veterans. They know the difference is, you know, hips and the knees move in the same direction in a squat. In a hinge, hip does the primary, hip is the primary mover, knees the secondary. So when you look at it in a squat, you move up and down. In a hinge, your hips moves forward and back, back mm-hmm. and forward. Mm-hmm. And so that's the difference between the two. Hinges like a deadlift or swing or snatch with the kettlebell or cleans. Those are all hinge movement patterns. Uh, and that's why we like to break it up into patterns instead of body parts. That's another concept, right? Um, but we tend to just break it up that way. Um, but yes, this is how we formulate our strength training program formula. Mm-hmm. So... To sum it up, basically what we're saying in this topic is the perfect program really depends on the individual. Right. And to find that, you may have to do some searching around. You know, I don't think anybody can really give you a program on paper and say, hey, here is your perfect program. Mm -hmm. It takes years to get to that point. I know what my perfect program for myself looks like. And I know what a good program for my athletes look like based on their goals, right? And you do probably have a great idea of what a good program for your clients look like. Right. But does that mean that's the perfect program? Not necessarily because they may not enjoy it as much as, you know, something else, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, But there's also a difference between what you want to do versus what you need to do or what you should do. Yes. I guess is the way I should put it. Um, It all depends on the goal. So when you have a clear cut goal of what you want, um, then the idea of planning your perfect program becomes a lot easier. So where should a client start if there's they're on this journey to find quote unquote perfect program? What would you recommend do? I always start with their movements, first of all, getting their movements to, like you mentioned, hinge. That's such a big one. Uh, little side note, I was watching our clients this morning mm-hmm. in rear foot elevated split squats, and I feel like every one of them could have been like in a video teaching it. Really? So that really, yeah, that really goes to show, you know, how much we we really work on having that good form rather than rushing through the movement or, you know, trying to bang out reps or get sweaty, get sweaty, get, you know, just really working on that good form, working on what we need to do. So I try to get to know each one of my clients and their movements. So where, where do we need to start? What do we need to improve on? And then we take it from there. They'll always come to me with goals. Mm-hmm. And, but how we achieve those goals isn't necessarily everything that they thought it would be as we get there. Right. So I look at it like our job as coach as to define point A, right? Mm-hmm. To go from point A to point B, you need to clearly find your point A and point B. The client might have an idea of where point B is, mm-hmm. but the point B could also move depending on, you know, what they go through in their journey. So they might have to come up, they might come to you and saying, hey, uh, so I really want to lose 20 pounds. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let me ask you some questions, right? So why do you want to lose 20 pounds? What have you done? Do you have any pains and aches right now as we start? 
What kind of training have you had before? Okay, let me actually physically move you around and see what your movement pattern looks like. Let's do this, let's do that. As you go through this process, the clients might be like, oh wow, like I didn't know I could do this. I didn't, I wasn't doing this right. Now that I'm doing this, I'm actually really digging strength training right and i'm able to do more at home this is awesome so now instead of just focusing on losing this 20 pounds which they might still have in their back of their head which is totally okay but on top of that they have a secondary goal of by the end of the year i want to be able to lift this much or i want to continue to sustain this feel that i get when i'm training so i'm going to continue to train and by until the end of the year and i'm going to commit to two times a month mm -hmm. as you can see the point b continuously move in their client's head and we understand that like that's part of what we do as a coach uh, as we work with individuals uh, but we have to clearly define where they are first before we start to really assess movements and assess programs to in the process or journey of creating that perfect program for them would you agree with that absolutely yeah. and yeah really helping them to believe in themselves too whatever it is that's holding them back from not having reached those goals before mm. is it all of the myths out there is it are they trying too many fads do they have something physically that that might be holding them back tight ankles how many times do we see people come in mm. with tight ankles and once we show them how to work that out it changes their life it changes their movement it makes you know then they have fewer injuries and and they're able to work better mm -hmm. so yeah i mean as we've worked with a lot of clients over the course of the years i mean there are common themes that keeps popping up right like tight ankles is one of them mm -hmm. roundish forward shoulders you know uh the pelvis position is usually off so they some of the clients come with lower back pains or not understanding how to engage their core um, a lot of them just lack complete control of their body to start, right? Yes. And which is totally okay. Mm -hmm. It's just something that we observe and we try to get them to gain uh, the confidence and be able to have a control, control, complete control of their body so they're training well and they're moving well. Uh, that's one of the things that we try to assist in. Uh, but the loads and the reps and how far they're willing to push, that's up to the clients. That's the back and forth communication that we do with our clients. Because right. um, some of them might be initially hesitant, but some coaching cue can open, crack that door for us to say, well, let's try this. Right. You know, it's building that trust. There's so much more than just writing a program. Yes. And that's why, you know, the, the human communication factor is so important in what we do because of that. Right. People are often surprised when they come in for their first meeting with me and I'll say, you know, your, your first meeting won't be a workout, mm -hmm. but come in ready to move. So wear something comfortable, but it's not going to be a full blown program because I need to get you, know, you to know you first. And I think so many of them are surprised just at that, mm -hmm. you know, that they think they're going to come in on day one and we're just going to go foom on that program that you know everybody fits into mm -hmm. and and that's not the case we don't have that and even within a program even within a class i can't tell you how many times i'm modifying also yes you know we so just yeah, yeah all the time yeah and with the virtual program people have different amounts of equipment at home so you know if maybe you only have lightweights available to you this is how you can step it up this is how you can challenge yourself a little bit more with your lighter weights if you have heavier weights let's grab those now uh so yeah there's so many things within a program that we do to to advance everybody to where mm -hmm. they need to be where they want to be where we feel they can go mm -hmm. so if you're stuck in a place where you're like well i want that perfect program what do i do the first thing i recommend is you know ask yourself what do you enjoy 
What do you enjoy doing? Can you incorporate that as part of, you know, quote unquote, trying to get in shape or trying to achieve your goals? Mm -hmm. Is strength training something you're interested in? We're more than welcome to help you discover the path um, once you set your goal. You know, we can assess and help you find your point A so you can have a game plan to get to point B. Mm -hmm. um, and also, if you're like, I'm really not sure what I enjoy, I'd say go and discover. Exactly. There's a lot of opportunities out there. And, you know, go give some other classes to try. Go, you know, go, in, go on an adventure. Try some new sports. Um, just anything and everything. You know, there's obstacle courses. There are races. There are different facilities. There are classes. You may not like classes. So then you may choose to do personal training. Those are the options that you can kind of explore to figure out what you enjoy doing. Because once you find that something that you enjoy, really dig into it mm -hmm. and really figure out why you enjoy it and, and, and really commit yourself to doing that because that's going to be the key to getting you to where you want to go. Right. And once you start to explore that, once you start to, to build on those basic movements and, and really finding your path and feeling better about moving in general, you're just going to want to keep exploring and keep, mm -hmm. keep trying new things. Absolutely. Well, this was really great. I think next week we should do part two of the quote unquote, the perfect diet. Yeah. The family table. Yeah. The family table. Let's talk about nutrition next week. Okay. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next week. <laughs> Bye everyone. Bye.